Hey, welcome again to the Impact Church Podcast. Look, special treat for you today, Bananarama. You remember them, Bananarama? <laughs> hey, Dr. Gord Watson's going to talk to us about it's a cruel, cruel summer. How do you deal with a cruel summer? Well, come on, jump in. Dr. Gord's going to give you a lesson on how to make all things work out for good. Just baptize the cruel stuff in good. And I tell you, you'll come back a champion. Come on, let's get into right, the word. We're on our summer playlist. Summer playlist, that's what we're on. And uh, uh, the, the song this week is actually by Bruce Springsteen. You remember Bruce Springsteen? And remember Bruce, some people, I don't like Bruce's politics a whole lot, but don't mean to offend anybody who might like his politics, but God bless you, your sorry self. Anyway, but, yeah. oh my God, my wife is going to tell me off when I get home, but yeah. Baby, we were born to run. That was such a good song, eh? such a good album, that one. But, you know, Bruce already also did a song. He did a song called The Power of Prayer. Bruce Springsteen did a song called The Power of Prayer, and it was a summer song. He said, summer night, summer in the air. They say the love of comes and it goes, but darling, what? What do they know? I'm reaching for heaven. We'll make it there, darling. It's just the power of prayer. I'm not sure what he was praying for, but anyways, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And how many don't like a good story on prayer? How many don't like? You don't like a good story on prayer. How many like a good story about prayer? Well, I tell you, I love good story about prayer. I got a story about prayer. There was three guys, three, <clears throat> three guys decided to go take a trip into the wilderness. They went way in the outback, way deep, no roads, no nothing, no cell phone towers. They were just out there all the way out. And they're tripping through the woods and carrying on, having fun. Then all of a sudden, they came across like a violent river, a canyon with this violent river in it. And they're like, man, we got to get across this thing. We got to get across this. So the guy says, you know what? I'm a man of prayer, and I believe we can get across this. So he prayed. He said, Lord, I just pray right now that you would give me the strength. I pray for even superhuman strength that I would just be able to traverse this violent river. And I thank you for that. And boom, he just got strength and, and muscles and boom, boom. He, said like, he was physically transformed and he jumped in and he swam with everything. He went down a few times. He spun a few times in some whirlpools. But, you know, he kept at it. He fought the waves and he fought the current and he got across to the other side. And he stood there and said, yeah. Yes, yes, I believe in prayer. Yes. So the other guy said, wow, that was pretty awesome. So he said, well, I'm going to pray. He said, well, Father, I don't just pray for strength. I pray that you would equip me, give me tools, give me, give me things to help me get across here. So, so boom, he was given strength. And then all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, poof, there came a, a beautiful kayak and everything necessary. And he jumped in with his kayak and he paddled and, you know, he spun around a bit, turned upside down a few times, flipped back around. But, you know, he was strong enough and his equipment held up and boom, he got to the other side. Yes, I believe in the power of prayer. How many are tracking with me? How many were on this trip? How many? So the third guy said, well, it looks like, you know, we can expand on this. So he said, look, I'm, I'm going to pray. And he said, you know, well, Father, look, I don't just want strength. I want the strength. Uh, uh, tools would be great too, but Lord, I pray for the, just a download of intelligence just to be able to, to do this and, and do it in a, a real smart and intelligent way. And all of a sudden, boom, a woman came walking out of the woods. 
She walks up, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're going to cross this here violent stream. Those fellows got across there already. She said, really? Did you guys not bring any a map or anything to understand the terrain where you're hiking? And you, of course we did. Of course. I mean, of course we got a map. Well, did you look at it? Well, it's in here somewhere. He pulled it out. She took a quick look, said, over here, 200 yards. They went 200 yards down river, and they walked across a bridge. Now, when I told Cheryl that story, she laughed. I still don't get it. I, I still don't understand, but she said that would be a good story. So there you are. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley said, if we don't pray, we serve no purpose in God's framework for eternity. Now, we have a prayer meeting on Friday mornings. It's on Zoom. How many people have ever done a Zoom meeting? Put up your hand if you've ever done a Zoom meeting. How many would like to do a Zoom meeting? How many people thought Zoom was a commercial for Mazda? <laughs> we do Zoom meetings at 7 o'clock every Friday. And if you say, I got to be at work, well, get up at 6, get yourself ready for work, join the Zoom meeting half an hour, and then go to work. Sorry, did I get a little intense there? But, we, you know, we have great prayer meetings on Friday morning. I love those meetings. I tell you, sometimes I wake up, I'm a bit groggy. I do a little teaching, a little thing first, then we pray. But I tell you, when we're done, I want to take on the world. I want to do something. Isn't that right, Keith? It's true, isn't it, Keith? Use your voice. Shout it out. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's one of those timid people. You know, you got to shout it out. But Charles Stanley said a lot of these guys heard me share these quotes a lot before. But if we don't pray, what a strong quote. I mean, I'm a nice pastor. I wouldn't be so, you know, heavy and over the top with you. But here's what he said. If you don't pray, listen, if you don't pray, just do me a favor. Point at your neighbor. Say, if you don't pray, you serve no purpose in God's framework for eternity. Boom. Hey, no purpose. Not even a little bit. Like, make, like maybe a fraction. Well, I don't pray a lot, but I think I'm doing stuff for God. No! If you're not praying, you serve no purpose. Prayer's a big deal. You should never try to do more than you've prayed over. You should never try to accomplish more than you've soaked in prayer. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do some stuff. No, he said, without me, you can do nothing. But you know, with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you know, when you acknowledge him and you engage him, I'm telling you, prayer is very, very important discipline. A.T. Pearson, he said, God has no greater controversy with his people today than this. That with boundless promises to believing prayer, there are so few who actually give themselves to intercession. Has anybody read a few promises in the Bible? There are so many promises in the Bible. But you know what? How many have heard this? You ready? Ready? Listen, you have not because you... You already know that. Holy moly. How often? I mean, the, the hymn we used to sing, you know, you know what blessings we often forfeit all because we do not take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm telling you, prayer and the promises of God are activated through prayer. His people, then today, then this, that boundless promises are there to believe in prayer, yet so few actually give themselves to intercession. F.B. Meyer, F.B. Meyer said, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer isn't the problem. The bigger tragedy is unoffered prayer. How often we go through life, go through the day, go through situations, and we don't first bathe everything we do in prayer, soak it in prayer, invade it in prayer. We, we often turn to other things. We get into a problem and we, you know, run to the medicine cupboard or, you know, call the emergency or dial 911. At least, please, give God a chance. Give the promises a chance just to manifest in that circumstance. Can I get an Amen. 
Charles Spurgeon, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, hello, well, doesn't God sometimes just do it anyways? It says he knows what you need before you ask, but you have to ask. And just because he knows what you need, you know, there is a kingdom principle that you've got to ask. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Why? Because if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it shall be open to you. Prayer. If there's one thing I can do today, I pray that I would sow a seed in you today that prayer would be elevated in your life. Even if it's just a bit, it would be successful. But I pray today you would be captivated that prayer is one of the greatest responsibilities that we have as believers. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Whether you like it or not, everything, I beg you, I beg you. Charles Spurgeon, he was considered the prince of preachers. He said, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. Andrew Murray, Andrew Murray. He said, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to the world evangelization in history. If we could get the whole body of Christ praying, wow. If we could just begin to agree, if we could pray together, if we could agree about things, man, we could shift and change things. Because God says, I am the God who hears and answers prayer. That's one of, that's one of his titles to you. Who are you, God? I am the one who hears and answers prayer. In the time of trouble, if you call out to me, I will answer you and I will deliver you from everything you fear. So you know what? Let us get baptized in prayer today. Samuel Chadwick, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies. He fears nothing from our prayerless works. He fears nothing from our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. We're going to have 100 children in here and probably over 100 children over the week. And we're going to have a lot of children. A lot of these kids have registered just from the community. So we're going to have a lot of children in here that we get a beautiful opportunity to minister to. Statistics say that most people, you included, most people accept Jesus before the age of 18. So we spend so much money taking care of everybody over 18. So much of our church budgets is entertaining the the adults. When really, if we were going to statistically put our resources where we get results, we should be ministering to kids. Thank you. I tell everybody that, you know, Kelly, you're really the one who's pastor in this church. I'm just entertaining the adults while we raise up a generation. Hey! So, you know, I want you to pray. I want you to pray today. I want you to pray all through the week. I want you to pray for the team. I want you to pray for those kids. I want to see those children come to the knowledge of Jesus. I want to see children going back to their homes and taking their hands, taking those little jumper cables and going to their sick parents or their sick situation or their broken homes and the kingdom of God invading broken situations and bringing healing to a community. But you know what? You know what's going to help that happen? Prayer. It's us praying. It's us disciplining ourselves to pray. Can I get an amen from the back row? The back row. Just the back row. 
Okay, praise the Lord. All right, John Wesley, God does nothing on earth save an answer to believing prayer. Nothing actually happens on earth. Nothing, God, there's no God activity in earth except there's somebody in an earth suit. That's you, pinch yourself, that's an earth suit. When the earth suit gives up, your spirit leaves. But this is a container of an anointed spirit. And you see, somebody in an earth suit has to pray. For God to do anything on earth, somebody in an earth suit, God cannot. It's not that he will not, or it's not even that he doesn't have the power to. He has bound himself that if anything is going to happen in the earth, it has to be initiated by someone in an earth suit. That's the rules. God, right in the beginning, the very first thing he said, he said, the earth I have given the man. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth I've given the man. The very first covenant he made was with man. He said, now be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he gave man the responsibility to represent him in the earth. He blew it up, gave it up, gave his sublet the whole thing to the devil. But Jesus came and got it all back. And now we get to pray in a whole new way. In the name of Jesus, we get to enforce his reign and rule everywhere we are. And when we use in the name of Jesus, all of heaven stands at attention. And when we say in the name of Jesus, the kingdom comes in full force. So we got to be a praying church, folks. We got to be a praying church. Jesus said, my house shall be called Impact Church. No, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And he pulled that out of Isaiah. Because you know what? What defines the church? It's a place where prayer takes place. It's a place where we engage heaven. It's a place where we partner by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And we bring the will of the Father into manifestation everywhere we are. Are you praying? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you praying? Turn to your other neighbor and say, are you praying? Turn to the person behind you and say, you're my third choice. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 18. Now, Luke chapter 18 in the, in the, the timeline of Jesus and his teaching, uh, this story Jesus told right after he had talked about the coming, the second coming of Christ, the Son of Man will come. And he says, one, the Son of Man will come. And then, then in the context of the coming of Christ, he told this story. He, he was doing the Olivet Discourse, talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then he talked about the second coming of the Son of Man, when I return, when I come again. And he told this story in that context and in that place. So here's what he said. Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, the Passion Translation. He said, one day, most translations say, and then and following, Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying. Jesus taught. He taught them, keep praying, never stop or lose hope. Keep praying, never stop or lose hope. Jesus taught the apostles. He taught his disciples. He said, keep praying. Never stop and never lose hope. So you got to keep praying. I tell you, there's, there's people who came today and you've been in circumstances where you're starting to lose hope. Well, Jesus said, keep praying. Never stop and don't lose hope. Don't discard your hope. Don't give up your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. doesn't matter how dark or how gloomy it looks right now. Whatever your circumstance is, don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. You can say, man, my body, I've been sick. I've been, been fighting this for years. Don't stop praying. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. I mean, look at what's going on in the world today. Pastor, it's getting dark out there. I mean, horrible things are happening. Our culture is a mess. Our education system, oh my goodness, don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. 
Because I tell you, London will be a city of God. London will be full of the glory of God. This whole region is going to get baptized in the glory of God. Salvation is going to stream through the streets. You won't have to try to change a curriculum. It'll get tossed out because the blood of Jesus is going to invade the hearts and lives of people. And they're going to say, what a pile of rubbish. It's not going to be a protest. It's going to be a miracle. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Never lose hope because God's word and his promises, they will be fulfilled because God is going to find himself a church that knows how to agree with the eternal purpose of God and knows how to call it into manifestation. Jesus taught his apostles, it's going to get weird, it's going to get ugly, there's going to come times where you're going to lose hope, it's going to get hard, you're going to go through persecution, you're going to go through struggles, but I tell you, right then you need to remember this, keep praying, never stop, and don't you ever lose hope. Hallelujah. Don't you ever go, Jesus, get us out of here quick. It's ugly. No, say, Jesus, thank you for the authority and the power to frame the affairs of this life and mankind. Thank you that we are a governing institution. Thank you that the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And we will overcome every one of these obstacles, the enemy, and your kingdom and your purpose and your glory shall be revealed just as you have said. So no matter how bleak it gets for you personally, no matter how bleak it gets in your family or in your personal world or your relationships, no matter how bleak it gets in your finances, God's got promises for you. Don't you stop. You keep praying. Don't stop. And don't you ever lose hope. And then he shared with them an illustration. So this was his statement, keep praying, never stop, don't lose hope. And then he told a story. Aren't you glad he tells stories? So he told a story, he shared this with me, he said there's a certain town and there was a judge, he was a thick-skinned, godless man who had no fear of others or their opinions. He didn't give a rip about God, he didn't care, you couldn't walk up to him and say, hey, in the name of God, I mean, have some compassion, he doesn't care. You can't appeal to anything man-made, anything God-made, you're not going to move this guy one way or another, he is stuck, stubborn, and ugly. That's who it is. And you got, oh, somebody. It's a, it's a certain town. There was a judge, thick-skinned, godless, who had no fear of others or of their opinions. I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to be mean and ugly, and I don't give a rip if you think I'm mean and ugly because I plan to be mean and ugly. There's no change in this person's heart. So Jesus is saying there was a nasty, nasty man who ruled and governed in a region. And in the same town, there was a poor widow. Say, poor widow. Jesus is telling a story. He's telling on purpose. He's picking the characters. He's picking who's involved. See, and he didn't start with just somebody came to the unjust judge. He said a poor widow came. Now listen, in their culture, generally somebody would represent you. You'd have an advocate, especially if you were a woman. If you're a woman, you didn't go to the court on your own. And the woman, you had no rights in culture as it was. So generally, if you're a woman, you would find somebody, an advocate, someone in your community, in your family, that could go and represent you with the unjust judge. So what Jesus is saying, you got a widow, not just a widow. You got a poor widow, not just a poor widow. You got a widow who's got nobody. You got somebody who's way on the fringe of society, and she has no one to help her. She has no power, no ability, no influence. You got a mean, nasty judge, and you got a woman who is absolutely destitute, alone, without any help, and she, all by herself, is going to approach this person and try to get justice. So how many, if you're listening to that story, you're going, oh, good luck with that. 
And that's what Jesus did. Jesus wanted to put this person in a big, desperate, ugly hole. Maybe you're sitting there today going, man, I believe him. I've been believing for things. I've been believing in my experience for justice. I've been believing for a breakthrough myself. And, and, and you know what? He took the most hopeless person in the most hopeless circumstances. And this is the people we're talking about. All right. So it was a poor widow who kept pleading, kept pleading, kept pleading with the judge. Grant me justice. Protect me from my oppressor. And he ignored her pleas for quite some time. But she kept on asking. And eventually he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me. I mean, this widow keeps annoying me. Is she back again? Would you shut up over there? I said, no. It was no yesterday, no today. It'll be no tomorrow. Back off. She kept on coming. She kept on coming. It literally, the language here kept, keeps annoying me. It's the same as I think she's going to punch me out. Literally, it means I think she's going to hit me with her fist. So he says, man, she is annoying me. She's demanding your rights, and I am tired of listening to her. And even though I'm not a religious man, I don't care about the opinions of others. I'll get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor, and then she'll leave me alone. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. See, see, God is up there with his hands clenched tight on your promises. He's hanging on. He's ignoring you. He got no time for you. He doesn't want to do stuff for you. God, he's too busy keeping the earth, the sun, the moon spinning, everything. He's busy with all that stuff. He's not concerned about you. You know, God's too busy. So you know what you got to You got to get his attention. God! God! You got to scream, God! Hey! Woo! And then finally you'll wear a bill and you go, oh, for goodness sake, shut up over there. And he'll drop a little puny blessing your way. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Now that's the way some people look at that. You know what? All of the heavens are like bronze. The devil, he's got us all bound up. And we got to break through. We got to shout to God. We got we to gotta somehow, we got we to gotta do something. We got to penetrate, you know, God's unwillingness. And the devil's powerful, powerful devil. We got such a mixed up concept of this. So this is the story that Jesus used. He says, I'll get her off my back. All right. So Jesus continued and he said, did you hear what the godless, say godless. Did you hear what the godless judge said that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Turn to your neighbor, point at him with that pointy finger. Don't you know? Don't you know? What? What? What don't I know? What don't, don't you know? Don't you know that God, the true judge, the righteous judge, the faithful judge, the almighty judge, the king and king and the Lord of lords that covered all things, he will grant justice to all, say all, he will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day. He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay. Oh, I'm in delay, sister. I'm in delay. God's got me over on the shelf here, and I'm in delay. He's just teaching me something over here. When you cry out to God, he's going to respond to you, and he will respond to you. Another translation says swiftly, quickly. 
I mean, he, you don't have to overcome his reluctance. Every day, it says daily he loads me with benefits. It says his mercies are new every morning. What is mercy? Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. How many need some stuff that they don't deserve? How many are devil screaming at you? You don't deserve God's goodness. I really don't, but you know what? His mercies are new every day. He can't help himself. In Isaiah, he said, I've seen your willful ways, and yet I will hold, withhold myself from you. That's not what he said. He said, I've seen your willful ways, yet I will heal you. He's not trying to disqualify you. He, he's, he's not trying to say, if you would just get a little bit better, I could do stuff with you. He's the one who qualifies you. He's the one who, who baptizes you with his goodness and his grace. He's the one who doesn't hold your sin against you. But despite all your mess, he's going to come to you and he's going to bless you. He's going to touch you. So quit trying to disqualify yourself from God's goodness. Well, he'd be good to them because they're probably good people. You know what? God is good to all. It's in the Bible. And the Lord is good to all. And he has compassion on all that he has made. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgression from you. He's a good God. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift, swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting in the same way the widow was. So have the same passion that the widow did. Keep on praying. Even if it looks bleak, keep praying. Because God's good. God's faithful. He's going to see you through. He's not going to let you down. And I know you're in a bad spot right now. And I know it looks like this will never change, but it'll change. Because you have taken your circumstance and baptized it in the goodness of God. And God is always at work for good. Always. <clears throat> always. Always at work for good. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting in the same way the widow was. Look now, because even so, when the Son of Man comes back. This is all in the context of the Olivet Discourse. He says, even so, when the Son of Man comes back at the second coming of Christ, when Jesus returns, talking about the second coming of Christ next week. Just a little commercial in the middle of my sermon. Because we're going to do the song, Summer's Here, and the time is right for dancing in the streets, dancing in Chicago. Hey, Jesus is coming. There's going to be dancing in the streets. Jesus is coming. He's calling out Tokyo, Hong Kong. He's calling out Saudi Arabia. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to an earth flooded and filled with the glory of God. And you don't want to miss next week, because we're going to talk about he's coming. The king is coming. The king is is coming I can hear the trumpet sounding and you guys don't know that song you're really old if you know that one all right you know where they used to sing that Catherine Kuhlman Crusades Catherine Kuhlman Crusades they would sing that every time wow do you know playing the piano and then it was Mr. McDonald come and sing the king is coming it was so good how many could feel that you could feel the buzz on that yeah you're easy to please. All right. When the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of undying faith on earth? Will he find it? What Jesus himself said, it's going to be tough. You're going to go through some hard times. You're going to go through difficulties. But I tell you, don't stop praying. Don't give up and never lose hope. 
Never lose hope. And then he, then he says, man, when I come, will I find that? Will I find it? And I want you to know Ara, Ara is will I find. Ara, it's an interrogative participle. It's an interrogative participle, which means it implies anxiety or impatience on the part of the questioner. That means Jesus is literally saying at the end of this story, he's saying with anxiety and he's saying with hope and he's saying with, I really need this. He's a bit anxious about it. He said, this is what I need for my return. When I come back, this is what's necessary. I need to find undying faith. I need to find people that are constantly praying, that are seeking for his kingdom to come in expression. When I come, oh, I'm anxious about this because this is so important when I come will I find undying faith and that's what's so necessary today how many know we're going to see salvation in a big way how many believe that this fall is going to be a season of harvest like no other? Well, what are we doing two services for? You could put a few more bums in chairs in here today. That's because we got a lot more bums coming. Well, that's an uncouth analogy. Well, everybody got one. Listen, they're coming. They're coming. And it's not going to be long we're going to have to say we got to go three. And it's not going to be long we got to say we need a bigger barn. And it's not going to be long after that we're going to say, what about the Budweiser Center? I hear it's 26 grand. 26 grand a weekend and we can fill that place. What do you say? What do you want to do that for? Because this city needs Jesus. The last time I looked, there's well over 400,000. And a place that sits, what, 10,000? That's not big enough. That's not big enough. What is he looking for? He's looking for undying faith. He's looking for people whose hope is off the chart, whose prayer and expectation is just ballistic. Are you here today? Is that person here today? Will he find undying faith today? If I had to probe you, would I find undying faith? Because that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for undying faith. The lesson is not you got to wear God out to get results. That's not the lesson. That is not the lesson. Sadly, people have preached that for years, you know. Just keep in God's face and he'll finally, he'll finally go, okay, okay. I'll give you my promise. What kind of God would be like that? That's not the lesson. The lesson is when you need justice, don't lose hope. Engage God. He will, without delay, give you swift justice. He will, without delay, give you swift justice. Now, quickly, I'm going to give you just a little pattern of prayer, and then we're going to pray. All right? And I want you to be praying for this week. I want you to be praying for the fall. I want you to be praying as we go into two services. I want you to get your band, and I want you to put it on your wrist. And I want you to snap it, and I want you to know what Jesus is doing. I want you to look for opportunities. I want you to look for the hand of God in your life and in your experience. That was a word God gave me on Wednesday night. He just said, tell them to look for my hand every day. Look for my hand every moment. Look for my hand because I am going with you. I am going before you. And my hand is upon your life and your circumstances. Look for my hand and you will see that I work in your life and in your circumstances. Look for my hand. Look for my hand. Look for my hand. Pray. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says to speak to God, especially in order to give some thanks or ask for something. To pray, to hope or wish very much for something to happen. To pray, to seriously ask someone to do something. Prayer. The, the Greek word for prayer. Proxumai. 
There it is, whatever. It's pro is towards or to exchange. And then the other part is to wish or to pray. So, so to pray, to towards, to be engaged, to wish, literally, it means that you and God are exchanging wishes and desires. To come before God and start to share your heart with each other, to share back and forth wishes, purposes, plans, and desires. That's what prayer is. Prayer is you engaging someone and sharing back and forth about what's going on. To exchange wishes, literally to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes ideas for his wishes as he imparts faith and divine persuasion that's what the word pray means in the greek john 15 7 my favorite verse on prayer my favorite verse on prayer if you say you if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you <clears throat> hey I mean, that's the word of the Lord. Isn't that good? That's the word of the Lord. Here's what the Lord wants to say to you. Jesus, these were his words. In his, in his uh, last supper address, when he's speaking to his, his, his disciples, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, what you desire, what you desire. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Man, I love that verse. Hey, let me share it with you in the Passion Translation. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words, and that word is not logos, that word is rhema. So it's not like get copious amounts of the Bible in you. It's the living words of God, the words spoken by the Spirit, the spiritual words. But you know, if you get lots of logos in you, you're more likely to say some rhema. But he's talking about rhema. He's talking about rhema words. It says, if you're in life union with me and my rhema, my spirit, quick and powerful words. He said that to Mary. He said, Mary, the rhema from heaven is not without power to accomplish it. Where it says to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. It's no, it, the word is no rhema is impossible. I am coming with a word from heaven, a rhema from heaven. Every rhema from God is full of power to perform what it was sent for. When you're abiding in him, his rhemas abide in you. You speak those words, declare those words, you call them in the manifestation, and it is done for you I got one happy person in the second row <clears throat> man are you kidding me pastor I can do this yes you can wow thank you Jesus whatsoever then you can ask and that word in the Greek means then you can demand or insist you can insist that whatever you desire will be done isn't that crazy Hey, just asking. No, I'm insisting right now. I just got a revelation from heaven that you heal everyone. Well, I am insisting that that healing word right now in the name of Jesus be healed. Boom. I'm insisting that that word comes into manifestation. Hello. If you live in life union with me, and if my words, my rhema powerfully lives within you, you can ask, you can demand and insist whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. My definition of prayer, prayer is constantly abiding in him and asking for things that he reveals to come into manifestation with great assurance that it will come to pass because you have authority in his name to execute his assignments. It's a big run-on sentence, but that's my definition. I didn't get it from a book. I didn't get it from anywhere else. I got it right out of that verse. Right out of that verse, I frame my own definition of prayer. Prayer is constantly abiding in Him and asking for the things that He reveals to come into manifestation with great assurance that they will come to pass because you have authority in His name to execute each and every one of His assignments. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? 
All right, here we go. We're going to do it really fast, really fast. You ready? It's five things. And I'm just trying to teach you, get that verse, stick it on your fridge, memorize it, get it in your heart, because this is how you can pray. Number one, abide. The first condition, if. There's five different ways to say if in the Greek. And we often say, oh yeah, but you got to abide in him. Well, listen, I abide in him. You are in Christ because of him. You didn't in Christ yourself. He in Christed you. You were born with a problem, so you've been reborn with a solution. Your problem was a birth problem. Well, I've been born again. You've been born again. He said to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. So you were born broken. You get born again, you get fixed. And when you're born again, you're born into the body of Christ. You're in Christ once and for all. It's not your act. It's not something you did. You were born from above as an act of the Father. And you've been in Christ once and for all. Hey, abide. Abide is not conditional. Abiding is a statement. I could say since you abide in him. Because you abide in him. Is anyone here abiding in Christ every moment of every day? Why is your hand not up? Are you abiding in Christ every moment of every day? You absolutely are. You might not know it. You might not be paying attention. But he's right there. And you're abiding in him. Every moment of your life, he is there. You abide in him. The Greek, the if, indicates an assumption of truth since you abide in him. Look at those people. That's a big head on a screen, isn't it? Look at that. Look at those people right there. That's uh, my uh, cousin Fred and his sister Frida. I know something about that lady. You know, prayer is getting to know somebody. Prayer is interacting with somebody. Cheryl and I know each other. We really like each other. We're having a lot of fun together. Our life is pretty stinking good. Did I say stinking? Yes. Just in honor of my wife. But I'll tell you, I know that girl. I know her. And you know what? You know why our life works really good? It's because we communicate a lot. We talk to each other a lot. We share dreams. We share things. We interact with each other. We engage each other. You know what else we do? Because we know the dreams and things of each other, we serve each other. We bless each other. We enjoy each other. But you know what? If with your prayer, your prayer is a relationship with God. And he's absolutely 100% and nutsly in love with you. Made up a bunch of words right there. He's nutsly in love with you. He's crazy about you. He is for 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 you. And you abide in him because he placed you in himself. He brought you to himself. He baptized you in his life. You are one spirit with him. You are in absolutely union with Christ. And I tell you, I'm in union with my wife. We are one flesh. I love weddings. I love marriages because a miracle takes place where two people are made one. And I am one flesh with my wife, and we communicate, and we talk, and we make it work. Communicate with God. Talk to him. He wants you to understand what he's doing. Number two, ask. Whatever you will will be done. Ask whatever you will. The creator willingly limits himself to your request. Isn't that amazing? I can't believe that Almighty God, who is all-powerful, has literally said, I can't do stuff if you don't partner with me. And that's the way it works, folks. It really is. If we don't engage his purpose, we are here now to call heaven into earth in every circumstance. If you're waiting, God, would you do something about my mess? He's already done everything about your mess. He's given you now authority to call your mess to line up with the kingdom of heaven. And that's your responsibility. All right, so ask him, John 14, 13 and 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
It's not my word. It's not even a good idea. It's the word of God. It's the covenant word of God. That man, when you line yourself up with his word and you call it into manifestation, God will do it. So you got to abide, done, ask, please do, and then have assurance. John 5, 1 John 5, 14, 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Him. When you ask him, be confident, you know it's his will. Is it your will to heal me? Yes! I command my body to be healed in Jesus' name. You don't have to go find Benny Hinn or some other revivalist. You just got to say, I'm a revivalist. Be well in the name of Jesus. Hello! Have absolute confidence. Your confidence will be rewarded. So you got to have assurance. It's five A's. Number five. You got four. You got authority. Behold, I give you power. You shall receive the Spirit. No, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power from on high to change things. You have power because of the presence of the Spirit in your life to change the circumstances in your world. Who's in charge over here? You are. My marriage is going sideways. Who's in charge? You are. You got to say, wow, I have the power. I have the ability to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any... Oh, careful taking on the devil. Don't want to do that. I tell you, big bad devil, little puny God. No, great big devil, defeated devil. Defeated devil, great big God, great big God, defeated devil, defeated great big God, defeated devil. Now you get to take authority. You get to enforce the victory that Jesus already won. In Jesus' name. Devil, take your hands off my finances. Take your hands off my home. Take your hands off my family. Take your hands over my body. Take your hands off of every situation in my life. I declare Jesus is Lord of all. I command his kingdom to come. His will be done in every aspect of my life. My standard is no more, no less than as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. I expect, Father, you told me to pray to the Father and say, as it is in heaven, I want my life, my marriage, my family, I want everything I have to be as it is in heaven. I command it to come into manifestation in Jesus' name. Oh, it's okay to put up with a little bit of brokenness, Pastor, a little bit of suffering, you know, a little bit of misery. That's the problem. We're Christians and we don't look any different than our unsaved neighbors. You know, when we're shining lights of the glory of God, man, they're going to come knocking on our door. Would you please take me wherever you go? Because whatever you're doing, it's working. Where's the amen crowd today? Where are they? Where are they going? I'm not a shouter. Praise the Lord. Amen. When you listen to people pray, you quickly find out who they believe is in charge. I have prayed with people. I've been praying with the same group of people on Friday morning for a long time, though. But I'll tell you, we get on there, there's no beggars. There's no beggars on that Zoom call. There's no beggars on there. It's all proclaimers. And, I mean, they come ready to say stuff, ready to declare stuff, ready to change the world. I mean, they come, and we don't, we don't beg. We don't say, God, please do something. We say, God, here we are. Engage us, Holy Ghost. Put us on like a garment. We're going to call in your kingdom. See, we're not begging, we're commanding, we're commanding. We have a revelation of who we are, and we call it into expression where we are. Amen? Oh, God, please help me. Holy moly, I gave you my own son, filled you with the third person of the Trinity. I gave you all power and all authority over every work of the devil. And you want what? Open your mouth. Speak the word that is in you. Declare your circumstances to change. Don't give up. Don't ever lose hope. Keep on praying, because change is on the way.
Amen. I got one more. Assignments. When you get into prayer, you get the mind of God, you get assignments. And you're not surprised that you pray with people for an hour, and all of a sudden, God tells you, I got something I want you to do, because you're exchanging wishes and ideas. And all of a sudden, God gives you revelation. He gives you wisdom. He gives you things. He might give you people. Ananias was praying, and he said, there's a guy named Saul over on Straight Street. Go do my purpose. When you're there, Peter was on the roof at a tanner's house, had a vision. All of a sudden, angels came and told him what was going on, and all of a sudden, people showed up. He said, I want you to go here. I want you to oh, turn the keys and loose the kingdom to the Gentiles. When you get into prayer, Peter was in the place of prayer. And in the place of prayer, he wasn't just talking to God. He was hearing commands, direction, revelation from God that would direct his life every moment of the day. You should expect that if you're really praying, you should leave the place of prayer with divine appointments and assignments from God. Hello! Then be bold, be creative, and go for it. Jack Hayford said, prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. Prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God, redeemed child with God, working hand in hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes in the earth. We go to two services, I got to chop that down by about 15 or 20 minutes. Pray for me, oh my God.